I would like to thank Pastor for uh, giving me this opportunity to praise. You know, my family and I have been attending MIBC for the past 10 years. And for those who don't know me, I thought I would, it would be a, uh, better to give my short testimony. Uh, growing, growing up, my family seldom go to church and uh, we only attend church on special occasions. And, and university, someone has given me a Gideon New Testament and uh, I love to read it. And even I memorized the parable of the prodigal son, the John 3.16 in English and Spanish. And to me, the Bible was an interesting literature to read. And as an auditor, traveling all over the Philippines in my job, my boss was a bad influence on me. You know, he loved to drink, and he would give us free drinks whenever we went. So one time I was so drunk, and uh, I'm almost drowned in an Olympic-sized swimming pool in Tagaytay. And I thought I was going to die. Because I had no more energy to swim to the edge. But I thought to myself, I don't want to die without trying to survive. So, so I swam hard with all my energy uh, left. But I know I, it wasn't my energy. It was God who preserved my life. Looking back, I know God that he preserved me. And he has a purpose for me. So <clears throat> even, even I didn't know him yet. But he helped me to pass the... Board exam for a CPA. After working in Manila for five years, I moved uh, to Iloilo, where I work for the Bureau of Internal Revenue. There, a church worker invited me to attend a Bible Baptist church, and uh, my brother was attending that already. So I went, and uh, this is the first time I hear a preacher preach from the Bible. So... And uh, uh, I was saved the next Sunday, the second Sunday where I attended a service. After I got saved, I never missed a church service, Amen. when only when I am sick. And I love being at church and learning about the Bible and also uh, learning more about Jesus Christ. So at the time, I struggled about my drinking. And I always go to the front to pray, Lord, help me. Because, uh, you know, I've been uh, drinking for so many years. And I surrendered my life. And I stopped drinking and I decided to study law. I would attend class in the evening after work. And uh, that is when I met my wife. I met her in the library. And I invited her go to, to go to the church. And uh, where she got saved with her sisters and friends. So we attended church together and until we got married. So, and our pastor gave me also the opportunity to teach Sunday school. And my wife and I had the children's ministry there for many years. And uh, when our pastor had to go back to the U.S., we were, we were without a pastor. So I continued the work along with my family for two years. I preached every Sunday, every morning and evening, and I also preached on a prayer meeting with, uh, until we found a pastor. 
And it's been uh, a while since I preached. The last time was 10 years ago. <laughs> when we were members of the Faith Missionary Baptist Church. Our pastor left for the U.S. and encouraged me to take over as a pastor. So I was a pastor for four years at Mississauga, a Faith Missionary Baptist Church here in uh, Mississauga at uh, Huron Park. During that time, I studied and uh, graduated through the Faith Bible Institute uh, as a uh, three-year satellite program, where uh, I also have a diploma in biblical studies. So God called uh, us to enter the... uh, From that on, we found a pastor, and God called us to move on, and that is when we started attending IMIBC. And I love to be in the church every Sunday. Amen. And I pray I will be a blessing to you this morning. Amen. Now, we'll stand please as we open the Word of God and Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 from verses 35 to 40. Let's read these verses. Are you ready? Verse 35, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for the Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And it shall come in the second watch, and if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house. To be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you God for this uh, day I can preach, Lord, and use me to, uh, uh, be- use me as a vessel to proclaim your word, Lord, and open our hearts and convict us, Lord, of sin and reprove us. Exhort us, Lord. Encourage us from your word. And help us to decide to be ready and always to obey your words for your service. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sit down, please. Are you ready to listen this morning? And I want your Bible ready. Because you have to do lots of reading from the Bible. You know, this morning I want to emphasize this in this message is the word ready. And the question I want to ask you, are you ready? You know, to to be ready means to be available. And this is one of the attitudes we as Christians should adopt. And we should be ready before the Lord, available to Him to do His will. And ready means prepared and available for action and use. You know, I have uh, five points this morning. 
And uh, let's start with ready to meet the Lord. And verse 14 says, Be ye therefore ready, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. It is important, of course, to read in the context of the verses that we read. The words of our Lord occur, and go back to verse 35, which says, "Let Let your loins be girded. What does it mean? It means that we, there should be a readiness for active service. You know, in modern terms, maybe we can say, roll up your sleeves. Yeah? And uh, our Lord is coming back at any moment. Do you believe that? Yes. And are you ready to meet Him? If you are not saved, you are not ready to meet the Lord. Please listen how to be ready. You know, God has sworn by His holiness that He will pour out judgment upon you. And you will not escape God's punishment come judgment day. The only, you can, the only thing you can do is to prepare to meet thy God. But you have not the means to prepare for that inevitable judgment that is coming. And you will stand before God that day, but will fall before Him and then be cast into the lake of fire. Just as Israel paid no attention to God's warning and was utterly destroyed by, by the nation, as a nation by the Assyrians, and so you too, if you will pay no attention, you will be swept up and carried off into judgment. The Bible says, prepare to meet thy God. But how can you prepare to meet God? And many, and many people asked, who is God? But, and where did he come from? Why is it important to believe in him? You cannot put God in a test tube. And you cannot see him in your computer screen or in your phone screen. But he's real. God is real. He's the creator of the universe. Take a second and think of the universe. The Milky Galaxy has billions of stars and planets. Yet it is only a small part of the universe. And the universe contains thousands more galaxies. I remember in Psalm 8 it says there, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. You know, God ordained those things. And did you know every time they find a galaxy, they think it's the last one? But then they find another one. And another one. You know, when I was in Square One waiting for my wife there, I used to look at the books. Oh, I found those books about the galaxy. And you will be amazed looking at those pictures. But, you know, we cannot take in such vast distances. But in Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God. We can't comprehend it because God has no beginning and has no end. The Bible says that God is a spirit. It also says that He is unchanging. In Him there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. God cannot change. God is holy. 
In all his works, the scripture says, Thou art of a purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. And every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. So not only God is holy, God also is a judge. He judges each one of us. And every idle word that you and I have said, every little thing that we have taught, it will be exposed at the judgment day. But the Bible says, God gave His Son on the cross and made Him to be seen for us. Think of Jesus. He became sin. Not His sin, but yours and mine. God laid on him the iniquity of us all, who his own self, bear, self bears our sins on the cross. And also Christ has also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. And if we ever, if we are to ever get to heaven and have peace and have the peace of God in our hearts, we'll have to come to him. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen. Has that happened to you? What do you have to do? First, you must repent. That's the first sermon Jesus ever preached. And that's the first sermon John the Baptist ever preached. Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this morning I say to you, repent. And what does repentance mean? It means that you're sorry for your sins, that you are willing to turn from your sins. And the second thing is you must believe. The word believe that's used in scripture means to commit. You commit yourself to Jesus. And God commands all men everywhere to repent and believe and be converted to him. Because without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And John 1.12 it says, But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Now today, if you are not sure of your relationship to God, if you are not certain, you'd like to be certain, I want you to come. And say by coming, I want to know that I am ready to meet God. I'm opening my heart and letting Jesus come in. Now, if you are saved this morning, I have the verse for you also. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever we be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with his words. So what does the Bible, the, the Bible say? There's a king coming. That king is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you love His coming? I love His coming. Are you ready for His coming? Are you ready? 
You know, in the Bible, the second coming of Jesus is not incidental. It is fundamental. It is a major theme in the Word of God. I love it because God the Father loves it. I love it because the early church loved it. And if there's any doctrine that the devil would like to see removed from our churches, is that Jesus Christ may come at any moment. And no wonder the devil doesn't like it. You know, the doctrine of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because when Christ comes, he's going to be cast into the pit. He's there not yet, but he will be put there, my friend. And he'll get the longest prison sentence on record. And I hope it will be with hard labor. My dear friend, I love... I love the second coming of Jesus Christ because Satan hates it. Yeah. <laughs> the second coming of Jesus one day and soon and very soon, you know, is, and my eyes, those eyes I have, I will lay these eyes upon the Lamb of God who died for me. And what a day that will be when Jesus comes. And so I believe that we, ladies and gentlemen, are in a collision course with destiny. And we cannot afford to be ignorant. You know, there are four greatest days in history. I learned this. And there are, I would like to start in number four. The The fourth greatest day in history is the birth of Christ. The miracle of incarnation. It surpasses the miracle of creation, even the plagues on Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea. Because here the Son of, the Son of God took upon himself the form of the Son of Man that he might make the sons of men into the sons of God. And the third greatest day in history is when Christ died for men. And the second greatest day in history will be was his resurrection. And the greatest day in history when he will return. Amen. You know we have a song one day. One day living he died, living he loved me. Dying he saved me. Buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified Freely forever, one day is coming, oh glorious day. What a glorious day that will be. Now the signs of the times are all around us. But I've stopped looking for the signs. You know, I'm listening for the shouts. You know, and the trump of God. And it will soon. When Jesus comes, I will ask you again. Are you ready? There is a shout. The Bible says. There is a voice of the archangel. And the trump of God. And the Bible says. Comfort one another with his words. Now, Jesus also emphasizes the necessity for us to be ready. Because he can return any time without notice as a thief in the night. 
Now, let's go to the number two point. Ready to hold, to help those who are in need. Are you ready to those, to help those who are in need? Let's go to verses, uh, to 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 18. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who give, give it us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. You know, as Christians, we have a duty to our fellow brothers and sisters and also to our community. Are you ready to help those who are in need? Do you have that readiness? And Luke six thirty eight it says, Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And also in Galatians 6, verse 2, it says, There bear ye once another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This means to share each other's troubles and problems. Now, that's an easy thing to say, but it's harder to put into practice. You know, God doesn't want us to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Amen? The hard part is to put into practice and share its other's troubles and problems. When we do this, Paul's writes, we obey the law of Christ. Did you know that Jesus has a law? Yes, it's called the law of Christ. To share its troubles and problems. And if you're not doing this, this you're a law breaker. And some people will say, oh, but I've got all my own troubles and problems. Life is so hard. I can't help anybody else. I just got to take care of me, myself, and I. But Paul, in verse 3, he said, For if a man think of himself to be something, he, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And if you think you are too important to help someone in need, you are only fooling yourself. You are really a nobody. Do you know why you don't want to help other people? Because you think you're too important. You know, this is the spirit of the Pharisee. He says, I'm here to keep all God's commandments and keep myself unspotted from the world. I walk in holiness and purity. Just stay away from me because you're all unholy. And don't get too close to me. I, because I don't want to pollute me. That's the spirit of the Pharisee. Jesus didn't have that attitude. Amen. You know, Jesus, he went, sorry, <clears throat> he went down into the gutter 
to the worst of the worst sinners where? And help them. That's what God wants us to do. Be sure to do what you should do. For then you will enjoy the personal satisfaction of having done your work well. And there is a satisfaction that comes from helping others. Amen? In Luke chapter 10, there is a parable. We call it the parable of the Good Samaritan. And certain, there's a certain man from Jerusalem to Jericho that fell among the thieves. You know, I want to share this with you because, you know, in this parable, uh, background of that, uh, there's a, a lawyer who asked how to inherit eternal life and Jesus, you know, gave him this parable because he asked, who is my neighbor? And there are three central characters on these three groups, you know. There's a thief, the priest and the Levites, and the Samaritan. But they have this motto, you know. The thieves has this motto. What is yours is mine. And I'm going to take it. Uh, and the Levite and the priest, they have their own motto too. He said, what is, is mine, what is mine is mine. And I'm going to keep it. And the Samaritan's motto is, what is mine is yours. And I'm going to share it. So, who are you? The thief, priest or the Levite, or the good Samaritan? Where do you find yourself? You know, in Luke chapter 12, also verses 33 to 34, the Bible says, Sell that you have, give alms. Provide yourself bags, bags with wax not old. A treasure in the heaven that faileth not, where no thief approach it, nor muth corrupted. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, <clears throat> let's go to number three. Ready to suffer for Christ. Are you ready to suffer for Christ? Acts 21 verse 13. I want you to open this verse in Acts 21 verse 13. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. From verse 10 in this chapter, we read about a man named Agabus, who prophesied that the Jews in Jerusalem would capture Paul and bind him and deliver him to the Gentiles. This did not move Paul at all. He immediately said, I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. And also he wrote in Philippians 3 verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Now, are you ready to suffer for Christ? You know, we should remain faithful to God when we suffer. Job said, what? Shall we receive good from the hand of God and shall we not receive evil? When suffering comes, that is always the question. Do we love God for what he gives us or for who he is? Can we love him and serve him even in suffering? 
Even when He seems to have deserted us. Even when He seems to not to answer our prayers. The Bible says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And I believe that God has made it possible to overcome pain and suffering, no matter how severe and long. Excuse. Focus on God and not your circumstances. Paul went through a remarkable amount of suffering, and he wrote, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And everything, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And even in, in a Roman prison he wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Give thanks in all circumstances. We don't necessarily give thanks for the circumstances. But we give thanks in the circumstances. Our thanks do not depend on the circumstances. Our thanks depend on who God is. And on the salvation He has so freely given us. As Paul wrote, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You know, the result it will bring, you know, for the light affection and for just for a few minutes. You know, it's about eternity. Okay? You have a song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. You know, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are, are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen? In this sense, Paul is like Jesus, he said, for the joy, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and despising the shame. So we know the suffering of Paul. But let God, let God bring good out of the situation. Amen? You know, pain and suffering occur. They are part of this world. We need to accept this. And no one is immune or exempt from them. And there is no guarantee that they will not occur. When they come in our life, we need to be able to accept them. As Peter wrote, Beloved, think it not strange. Concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as as though some strange thing happened unto you. And this is not easy, but I believe it is essential. Scripture tells us to go further and to consider it pure joy when trials come. I confess that I am not yet at this point. But if we can see pain and suffering as an experience from which we can learn and grow, then perhaps we can see them as things that God is using for our good and be able to rejoice in them. Amen? 
You know, I want to give you about uh, a man whose name is Richard Wormbrandt. I read his book, Tortured for Christ. He suffered a lot. He's a Romanian, you know. And he passed through the seven penal facilities and has spent three years in solitary confinement. And his confinement is in a cell 12 feet, uh, 12 feet underground with no lights or windows. He, he later recounted that he maintained his sanity by sleeping during the day and staying awake at night and exercising his mind and soul by composing and then delivering a sermon each night. <laughs> and during his confinement, he was beaten and tortured. Physical torture included mutilation, burning, and being locked in a large frozen ice box. He, his body bore the scars of physical torture for the rest of his life. And for example, Elorita recounted having the soles of his feet beaten until the flesh was torn off. Then the next day, beaten again to the bone. You know, this man is a prolific writer, but he said, there were not words to describe the pain. And, you know, this guy, he later died at age 91 in California. But he suffered a lot, and and the scars remain in his body. Are you ready to suffer for Christ? Number four, ready to preach the gospel and defend the faith. Let's read Romans 1, 15 to 17, please. Open your Bible there. So much so, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The apostle said, I am ready to preach the gospel to you at Rome also. And of course, we can only read through the book of Acts and the pieces of Paul, to find that this man was always in the job preaching. Are you ready to preach the gospel? And Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 2, it says there, Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. With all long-suffering and doctrine. In response to the Great Commission... You know, this is a charge we should consider carefully. What is a commission? Commission is a, an instruction or a command or duty given to a person or a group of people. You know, and the Bible, you know, we studied the Bible chronologically and uh, there are ten steps to the Bible. And, you know, the last step is this the Great Commission. So, we need to uh, consider this. As Christians, we should be ready to preach. Amen? Amen. You know, even when we are young, you know, we need to study the Bible 
study, memorize the Bible, and ready to praise. Even your just your testimony, you know. Preaching is the, is that is ready on all occasions, you know. It is in season, seasonably when the opportunity occurs, and also out of season. To seek opportunities to preach the gospel even at such periods when it is convenient to yourself, you know. Or when there might be hindrances or embarrassments and there was no stated appointment for preaching. We should be ready. Amen? And those who dare to preach and those who desire to hear, make sure the preaching is that which pleases God. Amen? Have you responded in obedience to the preaching of God's word? First Peter three, First Peter three fifteen, the Bible says, "Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear." In this section of the Scripture, the Apostle Paul is emphasizing the fact that the glorious deposit of truth which has been entrusted to us is under attack. And we as Christians are to defend the gospel. Amen? Who speak for God? How can we defend the faith? In Psalm 119, verse 46, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. But our best defense is an offense. Do you know that? You know, we move forward. We do not retreat. We fight the good fight of faith, as Paul said. Because faith is the victory. You know, like in boxing, you know, like boxing. (laughs) If you're just depending and defending, you know, you will not win. Like, you will not win. You need to throw your jug, your uppercut, you know. (laughs) You're straight. You attack the enemy, right? You resist, you strike, you contend. You know, when you're a boxer holding a world title, you need to fight hard to defend that title. Same with us, Christian. We need to defend the gospel. As Jesus showed us when he was tempted by Satan, one of the most effective ways to resist is to know and recite scriptures. And so one way to prepare yourself for battle and the evil day is to saturate your mind with God's word. Reading it over and over and memorizing key verses to equip you for victory. Jesus, you know, when he was tempted by Satan, he just said about, he just quoted the word of God. And we should follow, follow that example. Now, I would like to go to the last point of mine. This is very hard, but we need to be ready. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? 
Second Timothy 4, verse 6. Paul says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Are you ready to die? It's hard to answer that question. Many people will answer, I am not ready. But if only those who are ready to die are ready to live this life, you know. God does not want us to live a life of ease, but a life of victory. To be conquerors. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 3. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, we must endure hardness. You know, there are three duties of a soldier. The first duty of a soldier is obedience. Obedience. That's a simple one. Obey. Just obey. And the eminent duty of a soldier is to endure hardness. To suffer. And the ultimate duty of a soldier is to offer a supreme sacrifice, his life. Are you a good soldier of Jesus Christ? You know, when I was little, I thought my parents seemed immortal. But later I have found out that they are not immortal. The phone call I received from the, comes the words, Mom or Dad have just passed away. These are phone calls that none of us never want to face. But when we do come face to face with death, whether with someone we love dearly or ourselves, we ask ourselves this question, am I ready to die? You know, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. You know, many people will say, I'm not, I am not ready to die. I am still single. I'm not yet married. Or, I have small children. I want to finish university. There are lots of reasons, you know, people said they are not ready to die. But we cannot avoid that the Bible says, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. When we are asking ourselves the question, am I ready to judge? We are really asking, am I, uh, am I ready to die? We are really asking, am I really to, ju- to be judged? You know, God's word has clearly stated that everyone will be judged. For the words they have said and the the deeds they have done. As it is appointed unto man once to die after this, the judgment. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm trying to get you to think, am I 
ready to die. If you are not, if you know you are ready for something that is upcoming, then you have to keep your mind on it. Because you have your mind made up. And there is nothing more important for you to settle than your eternal destination. If these arrangements are avoided, they carry a very high price to pay. So this morning, I ask you this question, are you ready to meet the, the Lord, your maker, and your judge? Now the scripture says that a man has a terminal disease. We're all sinners. We have broken God's law. It's a terminal disease because we are under the sentence of death. Each one of us, every one of us is going to die. War does not increase death. Hurricanes do not increase death because death comes to everybody. And the ultimate statistic is one in every one person is going to die. Not only physical death, but also spiritual death. Spiritual death means we are separated from God. And the Bible call, calls that hell. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's, you know, I think many of us here will not be alive 80 to 90 years from now. All are subject to death. And whether you are a young person or an old person like me, <laughs> you'd better decide for Christ here and now. Because you never know when your turn is coming. Are you ready for the conclusion? <laughs> When the Apostle Paul got to the end of his life, in spite of all his achievements, he summed up it by saying, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. He fought. He prevailed. And he stood firm to the end. Fighting in hand-to-hand -hand combat against those hideous forces of darkness may not be your idea of a good time. But it is an inescapable part of the Christian life. Because this powerful, wicked enemy seeks to destroy us. We must fight by taking up God's full armor so that we can resist and stand firm in the evil day. And Christians must be fighters because we struggle against the evil spiritual forces of darkness. Paul tells us to take God's full armor so that we will be able to resist when the evil day hits. As surely it will. Then being prepared, you will be able to stand firm. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord? To help those who are in need? Are you ready to suffer for Christ? 
Are you ready to preach and defend the gospel? Are you ready to die? Are you prepared for action and use? This morning, if you are not ready, why don't you come to the front and pray and ask the Lord to help you to be ready? Are you ready to die? If you are not ready to die, you are not ready to live for victory. Victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.